0: Welcome to Talking Book Publishing with Kathleen Kaiser, brought to you by Writers and Publishers Network.
1: Hello and welcome to Talking Book Publishing. Today we're uh, going to be talking with three authors that are going to be part of the Writers and Publishers Network booth at the LA Times Festival of Books. It returns after two year hiatus, we all know why. And it's going to be a really fun experience. Uh, They have usually about 150,000 people come. The uh, authors get to meet their audience, meet new audience, sell books. But I'd like you to know about these three ladies and that we have today and their books. So I'm going to start with Shirley Strickland. And uh, her book is Awakening Lemuse. It's a book I've read and really enjoyed. And so Shirley, welcome. Thank you. Welcome.
2: Good um, to see you again.
1: <laughs> good to see you too. Um, why don't you give us a, so everyone has an idea of what your book is about. Give us a,
2: a brief, you know, sort of synopsis of what the book is. Uh, yes, um, it's the, the Awakening of La Muse is the title. And the synopsis is a 16-year-old American slave uh, is forced to travel to from a Virginia plantation to Paris with her owners. The unknown cultural environment chips away at her emotional and physical shackles. She runs. She acclimates into the city, but soon learns that a French bounty hunter is in pursuit. Um, she contends for her liberty. Now she's strong, she's resilient, she's courageous. And her journey to emancipation is nothing less than heroic, I think. They took her freedom, she took it back. That's about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great tale in it taking place in, you know, what was it about 1850?
2: It's 1855, the beginning of the new Paris, the re- re- reinventing of Paris that we all know today. Mm-hmm. so she's at a time where she's re uh rebirthing as is this city and uh, she becomes part of it uh but with challenges and very very difficult experiences as you can imagine because Paris mm-hmm. at that time is difficult for all women period uh, <laughs> and um you know, unless you're part of the well-to-do uh, part of the 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 royal circle or the the aristocratic circle or the the nouveau riche circle, it's tough. It's tough. But she finds a way. She has skills. That's one thing we never think about about slaves: that they have skills. They have to. Mm-hmm. They are labor, so they have to have skills. And and Muses is is. is in Muse's uh, in her world, she had one asset that she had to keep a secret all her life. Uh, she was able to read and write, and she was taught by an ab- uh, abolitionist at the age of starting at six years old, and they did it in secret for roughly ten years. But it's something that Muse knew that she had to 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 keep to herself. So she in, she in fact had to pretend to be you know, ignorant, illiterate. And sometimes she would make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she would make mistakes, like when her, her owner would a- ask her to go and bring a magazine. And they just say the name of the magazine, and she goes right to it out of 10 magazines that's on the table. And they're asking, how on earth did you know this was the magazine? And she had, to come, she had to, to come to her own rescue by saying things like, oh, that's the one with the pink parasol on the cover, <laughs> that sort of thing. But you can imagine living your entire life having, having to play dumb, uh, how hard it is until she gets to Paris and she meets a series of people, very different characters that inch by inch help, help her to open up. And move forward till she finally has the nerve to run. But when she meets the bounty hunter, that's the next biggest step. And she really has to rise to the occasion. Because if she doesn't, she's either dead. Or she goes back into captivity. Right. So it's her journey. It's a
1: fabulous journey, I think. And it's very well written. I enjoyed the book myself. Thank you so much. Yes. And did you uh, enter it in any
2: contests or anything? Actually, to be honest with you, I just did. Only because I found one that really appreciated self-publishing, novels Mm -hmm. that have been self-published. My reviews have been really good. Uh, I've had a um a theater group here in Los Angeles uh, that they are called the Town Street Theatre Group at the Stella Atlas Theatre. Mm-hmm. They devoted a um, literary evening to the book, and they did the actors did a stage uh, rendition of reading um the different characters of the book. It really went down well. I was, of course, I was shaking the whole whole. I couldn't to to hear your own words come. From uh, the professional voice of an actor is it just makes you shake? It's just because they just really bring your character to life. I mean, your character is alive to you, you know, inside your head. But someone else taking it and and reinterpreting it is just absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, I I think that's fabulous. And what a great opportunity to do that. Many of us don't ever get that opportunity. And uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to move on to Catherine. And Catherine Kletzer, did I say that correctly? It's Kletzer. Kletzer, okay. And your book is You Will Never Be Normal. Uh, That sounds like most of us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Great title, yes.
3: <laughs> well, a lot can relate to it. Please tell us a bit about your book. Okay. My book, You Will Never Be Normal, was released during quarantine in May. And in my story, one day I was apparently normal, and the next my multiple personalities appeared. I was blindsided by dissociative identity disorder, DID, which used to be called multiple personality disorder. Those closest to me knew nothing of my trauma or my multiple personalities, and neither did I. I was afraid I was going insane. My memoir is that story. The ambush of my sudden DID crisis while in deep meditation, the emergence of five separate identities, my struggle to trust the therapist I had chosen to help me, and my transformative recovery, where slower was faster.
1: Wow, <laughs> that's got quite an adventure. What a oh, personal experience to go through. May I ask, at what stage in life did this happen? I was in my 50s. Oh, wow. Yes. And you had never had any... Uh, uh, indication or anything that this was something in you know
3: inside you. I hadn't, but on the other hand, I thought everybody had voices, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, no, I didn't, and and what I have found out after that is that most people don't know they have it until quite late in life, when when it's really scary to figure out what's going on. Wow, that's really amazing.
1: And is, is it, so it's based on your journey to recovery from
3: this? Is it something you can recover from, or do you learn to control it? It's, it's incredibly treatable. I mean, the good news is that it's treatable and yes, you can recover from it. Wow. Well, that's
1: fascinating. (laughs) That's very good. All right. And our next person is Tamara Miller Davis. And her book is Despite the Buzz, which is, I thought,
0: quite an interesting title. So tell us a bit about your book. Thank you for inviting me here today. Um, it is a colorful cautionary tale, and it's about technology's influence upon learning, relationships, safety, and well being. Mm-hmm. So the artistically designed book, it is printed in color, is both educational and exciting. Um, A new high school teacher from the Midwest, she's from Chicago, raises awareness about screen use inside of her reflective writing classroom, but she doesn't realize the danger that's lurking. So contemporary communication dramatically impacts the diverse student characters in California. And when an intimate act is shared over social media, the resulting incident or the twist demonstrates that the potential in students' pockets, meaning their cell phones, can be lethal, not to give away too much. Oh, Okay. So
1: that is kind of like uh, maybe let me just ask, like with social media, uh, all of the different uh, because, you know, they talk about the destructiveness of social media on many young people, especially young girls and self-image. And that is that where you're in that sort of genre area?
0: That's right. Yeah, I wanted to explore that idea and look at technology's influence as far as um, it's good and it's bad and how we can embrace it mindfully. And so there are educational footnotes throughout the book and um, digital wellness resources in the back as well as book club questions in the back.
1: Great. Now, uh, Shirley had told us about the research in that that she had to do on her book because she's in a Uh, time period, sort of historical fiction. And what kind of work did you have to do uh, to gather all the information and facts to put this together?
0: Uh, That's a great question. I read a lot of articles. I read um, Alone Together by Sherry Turkle. I was inspired by that book. Mm -hmm. And I watched um, the documentary Screenagers and its sequel, which is by Delaney Rustin. She's a documentarian and um, that was really inspiring. And uh, let's see, uh, other related things that have to do with digital wellness and the topical interests and social issues that are discussed in the story.
1: Okay. Did, did, did you have uh,
0: some experience or something that drew you to this topic? Yeah, so I am a longtime substitute teacher, oh. and I've worked in um, private schools, a charter school, and the local public system, and I've seen um, what happens when students are allowed to use cell phones in class, and even though they are tools and they do help in some ways with uh, reading and research and maybe music and so forth, they can be quite distracting And um, I wanted to learn more about that and use the filter of fiction to present some ideas around it. Also, I'm a parent and we're um, pretty strict about screen use for our kids in the house. They do enjoy some screen use, but um, they have to earn it and, you know, it's it's (laughs) uh, limited and so forth. So,
1: yeah. Oh, okay. So you put a lot of research into that. I sure did. Okay, and Catherine, on your book, I get the idea that most of this came from your what you went through and the help with the uh, professionals that guided you through this. Did you realize you had a book when you were first starting on this trail?
3: No, no, I did not. Um, I actually did have to do a a good deal of research myself, too, and I have a pretty good sized bibliography in the back of the book, which I, which I did not, I did not, that was my issue to, to separate my narrative from the clinical and let it be personal to, to find a way to, into the feelings that had all um, that I, to really go to that dark place, to really go there and to re-experience all of the emotions and write them, find the words. And it, it, it required me to to make myself vulnerable in a way that was uncomfortable because i was a pediatric icu nurse for 22 years and i tend to be clinical <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was it was difficult in that way but i actually had to do a lot of research about my condition about what's involved i went to conferences i went to um a lot of events and I had to interview members of my family, I, I had to travel back to the Midwest to the house that I grew up in, it was there was a lot involved. Um, and I forgot your question. <laughs> no, no, you answered it, you answered it. <laughs> um,
1: uh, Shirley, when you were doing your research,
2: did you go to Paris or anything like that?
1: Or what did you rely on as
2: research? Oh, well, actually, I lived in Europe for quite a few years. I lived in wow. England and in uh, Augsburg and Munich. So Paris was just, you know, get on the train for a few hours and you're there. Uh, but for me, it really was the fact that I loved 19th century European literature for so many years. I just simply love it. And I was at a cocktail thing, you know, and, and we were talking about literature. And, and I still love my Russian uh, my, my war in pieces and, 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 (laughs) and all of my Russian guys, you know, even now with all this going on. But, um, so what got me on, on the road was the fact that I was all, you're always disappointed as the person of color that you're reading so much of history in that area and people of color are never represented except for, for Duma. And it wasn't for him, uh, uh, Duma Pea, Duma, Duma Freya. Um you know that there was more to the landscape. So for me, I was inspired of course by Sally Hemings. Mm-hmm. I know when I read it Sally Hemings which is um uh was it which is uh, Barbara Chase Rebo, her version mm-hmm. and Knowing that slavery uh, was abolished in France at this time, you know, in my mind, I'm going, why don't they run? They're there, run, run! <laughs> you know, of course, they never do. I think, actually, I think Sally Hemmings' brother did, did, did escape, but he didn't. He it wasn't successful. Um, but. It's just like with my imagination and the places that I've visited and and so on, and the little bits of information that you pick up here and now, for instance, another book that just floored me was The Known World by Edward P. Jones. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was such an amazing, amazing description of plantation life and, and, you know, slavery. Their their way of surviving. I mean, like there's one... uh, a segment in that book, which is true, because uh, he found it that a woman mailed herself, a, a runaway slave, put herself in a box and mailed herself to New York. Wow! And she got there. I mean, you can imagine the condition was she was in. But these are people who are determined to be uh, free or die, and that's how I kind of saw Muse. Of course. Of course, once once I was introduced to Muse in my mind, the story took off different than than I had thought. So in fact, I was on the journey, and all of my characters who presented themselves to me, they told me who they were, and not didn't allow me to tell them who they were. Especially with Peltier. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the he's the um, um, the French bounty hunter.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He, uh, I think he's very interesting. All my readers, of course, they hate him, and and I didn't want to create a one dimension, a one dimensional, uh, um. Character, in any of my characters,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh. But I just thought he was so fascinated because you you don't grow up hating, mm-hmm. you don't grow up uh, wanting to destroy people. You have to be taught in some way or another. And it was interesting to see his journey. And then in Africa, when he saw his father killed by escaped slaves that were to be taken to to America, that that really destroyed him mentally. I mean, he, he was never balanced again. And so I was able to take that that image of what he experienced as a young person, and how it he evolved into what he was. And he was he's never ever a normal person. He he can't be. Yeah, he was ruined by that experience. He was because he was so young, and -hmm. it's your parents that are teaching you this.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah, it was a it was a. Good journey. I don't regret the, the years I put in the research, and I think for all writers, they really have to love what they're doing because you spend so much time and you're, and so much of that time is alone. So it has to be something that is really in your in your blood.
1: Yeah, it really does, uh, Catherine. What are you expecting to achieve being part of the L.A. Times Festival of Books?
3: I'd like to, I'd like to get my book in front of more people. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been really, really hard to do that. I, um, I know that when, when I realized I had a book and that, and that it's a good story, I knew that I had to put to rest all the myths about DID to, to really, to really let it be a story that people wanted to read in order to be educated (laughs) about it. But, but, to make it enjoyable. So I wrote it as a novel. I mean it's nonfiction, written pretty much the way a novel is written. And the reader is invited to accompany me as I discover the things that I discover about DID going through it. I've had only without the 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 being ambushed <laughs> part of it. Um, I've had people tell me that that they felt they felt they were reading the detective story for three quarters of the book. And that's how I think, you know, I can get the word out about Mm -hmm. the myths and about uh, getting, getting rid of stigma, getting rid of the stigma of, of that goes along with mental health generally.
1: Right. That's a real problem. I don't, I, I have lived in other countries and they don't have, that kind of puritanical, you hide them in the closet and pretend they don't exist mentality that has gone on for centuries in this country. And it's, I think, led to a lot of our problems. You know, We've hit sort of critical mass and you just can't deny this is happening. This is you just happening. can't. You can't put everybody in the attic and hope they, you know, go away. You know, and it it's uh it's a sad statement about how we care about other people.
3: Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah,
1: because there's a you know there's there's minor things and then there's major problems and we don't do a really good job of of helping people. But that's that, that. Tamra, with what you did uh, at the at the festival, I think that might be really interesting. So she'll have many. Uh, One thing I found that came by the booth were many college professors from USC or their assistants and stuff that might, that might help you too, Catherine, because they're there and they're looking for things, uh, you know, it's in their backyard and they can come down there and beat it. Plus students, there were some of the brightest questions I got asked were by the USC students that were trying, many of them wanting to be writers but wanting to know more about what was going on. I said, well, talk to the different authors. I'm sure you'll find a couple books that you'll like because that, that's what we're here for. This is a variety. I mean, with the three of you, we have one fiction, two nonfiction, while the middle one's sort of, you know, like narrative nonfiction. But it, it um, you know it's a variety of, of people and topics and subject matter and books that we will be uh, showing in the booth which is again, April 23 and 24 at USC. It's free everybody. So you can just walk in. We're in booth 200, which is across from the um, poetry theater on what, if you know USC, it's called uh, Truesdale. And it's the main cross uh, crossway through uh, USC. And We will be there. And again, I just want to thank Shirley Strickrun, Catherine Kletzer, and Tamara Miller-Davis for coming today and telling us about their books. And I'll see all you guys in a month. Yes, we'll do. We'll be there. Thank you. Thank you. you.
2: Ciao, ciao.
0: Talking Book Publishing is brought to you by Writers and Publishers Network, a resource for writers and indie publishers at every level, and offers tools to be successful in their writing career. Writersandpublishersnetwork.com Don't miss our after-hour segment, Conversations with the Producer, a segment where our producer, Adana Moriarty, talks with our guests and lets the conversation mosey wherever it moseys to.